Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. Today, I am joined by a very special guy. His name is William Van Helmond. He is running for assembly in New York's second district, way downstate. Um, he wants to pit it against the downstate Democrats and create a real change here in New York. Um, William, how are you? I'm doing good, Jake. How about yourself? How's everything? I'm doing real well. Um, First thing I want to ask you is why are you running for assembly? What's important to you? What would you like to change? Well, there's uh, quite a few things, but uh, if I wanted to summarize it quickly, uh, you know, accountability and, and the spending habits um, of the governor um, and the uh, through the assembly and the Senate without checks and balances uh, as a small business owner of 39 years really irks me. Uh, the fact that they spend money that they don't have uh, there's no accountability. And when they uh, move items around, like the governor has executive powers, uh, that he can shift money from line items to other line items without actually even going to the legislature for approval. The president himself has to go to Congress if he wants to make a change to an approved budget. So those are some of the items. But I think also the trust and the accountability for the taxpayer. They need to know that their government works for them not the other way around. The taxpayers like you and I, Jake, we pick up the tab for bad decisions, good decisions, and different decisions or lack of decisions. And regardless of however you want to look at it, you and I are business owners. The buck stops at me, the buck stops at you, and you don't make those mistakes. And if you do, it puts you out of business. Government needs to be more responsible and definitely definitely more accountable to the people that support it. Yeah. Well, I do want to clarify. I'm not a business owner, but I am a business manager. I, I manage the business very well. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, we do, we do fairly well. But uh, what I would like to just point out there is kind of, you touched on something. Although governor Cuomo is, the governor of the empire state he has forgotten right. that he is not the emperor That's he has correct. he has a legislature or not his legislature excuse me we have a legislature right. we have an assembly and he needs to be held accountable and you know i'm glad that even some democrats are starting to wake up and realize that and smell the flowers you know right well you know like i know uh, jake that um you know the assembly that we're both running for um, there's 150 members. I believe it's about 110 or 112 Democrats. Uh, you know, then there's a few Republicans. And then uh, a good friend of mine happens to be the independent, Fred Thiel, from the neighboring district of me. I've known Fred 30 years. Uh, but he comes in with a fresh mindset, too. Uh, and he's not controlled. And one thing about being a libertarian, um, we're all about civil liberties. We do not want your civil liberties to be infringed upon. It's really one of our primary characteristics, in my opinion, because when government or people or anybody infringe on you, that's not correct. That's not how the order should be. Everybody should have the freedom to choose, the freedom to say, the freedom to live their lives the way they want, as long as they don't infringe on others' rights. And the governor and the government right now yeah. is taking away civil liberties a little bit at a time. And it's been going on since the beginning of time. Got to remember, and I mentioned this to Larry Sharp a few weeks ago when I was on his program, 
when our forefathers came here, they were under suppression and tyranny from their countries. And they came here for a better life for their families, just like we all want and, and deserve and dream of. America, the great opportunity. And it is. It's a wonderful country. But what happens is that the government in which the Constitution was made for has gotten bigger. It doesn't serve the people no more. It doesn't go, we the people, it's we the government. And that yeah. needs to be reformed back to what it was intended. Today, Governor Cuomo said the state is going to allow gatherings of 10, for, I forget for what, I think it was religious purposes. He was, the state is going to allow, let, let me remind everybody, it's not within the state's power to allow anything. How it is up to us to allow them to do things. We, exactly. the people, we, the people, we own this government. We are investors in New York state. We control what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny you say that too, because, you know, that is absolutely 100% true and, and spot on. But a lot of people don't realize that when our country was first born, before our first president, you know, everybody got along in unity. There were no parties back then. You know, you didn't have the R and the D and the libertarians weren't even around. Everybody just worked in unison for the betterment of each other. And that's how government needs to work. It did when it was formed and it can now. And the Bill of Rights were, believe it or not, written the first 10 in New York State. New York State was the initial capital of our country when it was just 13 colonies before President Washington was elected, and then it moved down to Washington. So New York State has a unique history and a lot of deep foundation roots of our country. And I want to touch on two things that you just kind of touched on. One is the political party thing. Yeah. I say it all the time. In, in 1797, when George Washington was giving his farewell address, That's he right. warned us of political parties. He yes. warned that it would polarize the country. And then that the people would be forced by the powers of these parties to pick a side. And right. he said, eventually there, he, he understood that in mm -hmm. a state like New York, like it is now, there would be an overwhelming control of one party over the other. That's you know, that, that, that's something that George Washington warned us about and we didn't listen. Exactly. Second thing I wanted to touch on is that constitution, that great bill of rights. Yes. At the top of that Bill of Rights, because it is the most important thing written in the Bill of Rights, is the First Amendment. Now, the Absolutely. First Amendment prohibits, that means does not allow, the government to impede our ability to assemble, to, to practice any religion, wherever we want, whenever we want, to say mm -hmm. what we want, to write what we want. And mm -hmm. to protest whatever we want. It, the, the state does not have the power, safety issue or not, to prevent us from doing any, things, any of the things I just mentioned. That's correct. I agree. I agree totally. And that's why I'm running. I mean, I didn't start running for those reasons. But right. those two reasons are the two biggest reasons why I'm running. Because right. America has forgotten what we are supposed to be. New York has forgotten th that we are the home of the Statue of Liberty. Liberty, liberty, freedom. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to make sure that the, the, the legislature is reminded of that. And I got a loud mouth. 
And I hope that my loud mouth serves my district well in the assembly. I'm sure it will. And honestly, Jake, I look forward to working with you there when we both won our seats. And <laughs> the Liberty Bell or the Liberty um, symbol uh, with the Statue of Liberty also goes, co uh, I don't know if you saw the commercial for Liberty Mutual, pay mm -hmm. for only what you need. Why doesn't government attach that to their, t uh, their, their motto? Pay for what you need. Why are we paying for stuff we don't even know about? I mean, things that are happening in secrecy behind closed doors, executive sessions. It's got to stop. It's supposed to be transparent and it's gotten the farthest away from transparency that it can ever be. And without, without transparency, there is no accountability or there is exactly. a, it is preventing accountability. There needs to be transparent funds. I, I think every politician should keep, should be forced to keep every receipt from every single thing they purchase because they are using tax dollars to purchase those things. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would, I would, um, I wouldn't have a problem with it because I would understand. I don't want my tax dollars being sent, spent on anything nonsensical. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I don't want my tax dollars to be spent on anything behind closed doors. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, I do that in business already. So I'm already accustomed to that. <laughs> you know, you have to do that. So <laughs> did I lose you, Jake? I no, you that. still got me. I was just oh. trying to give you some attention there. Um, okay, cool. Appreciate that. So I wanted to talk to you about education because you and I both both have this thing about education and how our system is broken. Right. My viewers have heard it a lot from me. Let them hear it from you. Well, basically, um, education is a, is a mandate from the state of New York Department of Education. They call the shots. They set up what the curriculum is on all of that. And, and that's okay if it's going to come from the state. But when it's unfunded and it's pushed to the localities, meaning the school districts in my assembly district, as well as yours, Jake, the thing is, when they say you have to teach these people, or you have to teach in this language, or you have to offer this curriculum, and yet they don't provide funding or alternate funding or even partial funding for it, it becomes very unfair. And it puts a big burden on the localities, meaning like my area, like the town of Riverhead, the town of Southold. I actually have, um, I was counting this up the other day, I have 16 school districts in my, my district. It's quite, quite a, a lot of school districts, and some of them are pretty big. And you're talking about millions and tens of millions and maybe hundreds of millions of dollars between all of them that the local taxpayer has to pick up. And living on eastern Long Island, although we're not the Hamptons, we're the better side, in my opinion. Uh, it's expensive to begin with to be out here. The price of homes, the electric uh, electricity from PSCG, you know, everything out here leads the nation in cost as well as the tax bill. And unfunded mandates is certainly not a way to handle it. I would agree with you. Um, our education system overall is, is fragmented, especially when we talk about the policies behind how teachers are supposed to teach. You know, we have way too many mandates on our teachers. And like you said, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of issues in how these schools are funded. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of that can be traced back to common core testing where we're unfairly unfunding schools that need help. 
in overfunding mm-hmm. schools that don't need as much help. Uh, there's school districts up here in central New York that have as little as 60 kids in their graduating class. And those schools right. are getting millions and millions of dollars because they're getting good grades. But 60 right. kids, 65 kids, you need $10 million to spend $10 million on a gym. Although it is nice and you know nobody would deny it as a sports car from the government, um, there are other school districts who are in need. There mm-hmm. are other school districts who desperately need those funds because they're Absolutely. underfunded and they need that help. Well, the foundation aid, I'm glad you touched upon that, Jake, is something that we should address in the assembly because it's our position to set the budgets for everything that occurs in the state. That's one of the responsibilities of an assemblyman. And I'm a math guy, so I, I can't wait to tear apart a budget, a line budget, and start working on this foundation aid because, like, school districts in my area aren't even receiving the maximum amount, which is actually too low to begin with, where other districts that are so much smaller nearby are getting almost the same amount of money. It's just not distributed correctly, and it needs to be upgraded so the correct funding, as you said, gets to the school because it puts so much pressure on the localities. And mm. that has to change because if we don't start being more grassroots by working in our areas, our little hometowns. Now you say downstate, we're nothing like New York City. We're very rural. We have uh, you know vineyards, we have uh, potato farmers. Uh, I've been in the Farm Bureau for over 35 years. I'm a horticulturist. But there's more farmers out here than and than landscapers, so to say. <laughs> I live in a beautiful, beautiful community, and I support our farmers. But you know, I also support our teachers. Uh, and to give you an example, like I know there's a question about their unions and and what they get paid versus what they got 20 or 30 years ago. I understand that, but look what's going on now. You want to talk about some of the unspoken heroes? You have teachers now that are working out of their homes, making them offices, and they're teaching their classes via Skype or via uh, Zoom or whatever their uh, technology they're using, and they're operational. It might not be in the school itself, but they are still teaching. And I have to tip my hats to them because you know what? I don't think there's anything in that contract that would say that you would have to do something like that, but yet... They put their foot forward. They make the effort because, you know what, in the long run, I would say 99 out of 100 teachers care about the children. I have my grandchildren in a Riverhead School District, and I'm telling you, I'm impressed on what they're doing. And they're maintaining them at the levels that the state has set with adverse conditions and a pandemic all at the same time. So I got to tip my hat to the teachers, to the educators. Uh, to the superintendents of the schools in my district because they are really, really making um, really good wine out of some bad grapes that they got right now. So, uh, you know, and I, I just wanted to mention that because you don't see that. I know our frontliners at the hospitals, you know, our police, our ambulance personnel, uh, they're second to none anywhere in the state. You know, I mean, God bless them all. But, you know, there's other people and even small business owners like myself that have formed Facebook groups that are uh, collecting and donating, uh, getting donations of food to give out to those who are really not working, who are no income and who have mouths to feed. I mean, 
there are so many great stories coming out of this so-called pandemic uh, that are so noteworthy. And I really wish the news and the media would cover that more. Cover that more than the fear part part of it all. Exactly. Uh, I mean, enough's enough. We're sick and tired of it. Give me a break. I think it's important for everybody, you know, who is watching now and and who may be watching in the future uh, to realize that, you know, especially if you're a socialist and and you were advocating for socialism because you rely on your community. Mm -hmm. Look how important community was for capitalism. Look how much we relied on each other's business. Look how Mm -hmm. much we relied on each other to to employ one another and and to to help one another. The system Mm -hmm. was working. And this is the system of socialism. This is where we're kind of forced into the social experiment. Mm -hmm. No no pun intended with the social experiment part. But now we're being forced to live off the government and everybody's forced to, you know, only the essential people can work. And right. then, you know, uh, those essential people bear the tax burden to pay off, you know, these other people through a, a stimulus check, which may be recurring. Mm-hmm. And although I'm not going to tell Uncle Sam no, and he's going to give me back my tax dollars, it is going right. to c- completely destroy the economy. Yeah. Um, well, you can't, you can't make money, Jake, for you know, no purpose because there's nothing to back it on. It kills and deflates the dollars so badly. You know that. And, and you just can't print money as a solution, you know? Now, I know people have have died and some people have gotten very sick and and it's a very tragic deal, this COVID. But, you know, on the other end of it, too, you know, the infringement of civil rights has to now start being addressed because the numbers are going down. Things are definitely improving. Will there be another reoccurrence? I hope not. I pray to God every night that it doesn't occur. But you don't know what's going to happen. But the thing is, we have to be uh, proactive and progressive. We have to evolve still. We can't just hunker down and call it quits. That's not the American spirit. No. And, and, you know, when we're talking about this, you know, I want to clarify to everybody because Governor Cuomo says that his team's been doing the best job. He says that they've been doing the best out of any. No, he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. He can't Mm -hmm. prove that. You can't prove that until all of this is done because sure he may have, you know, flattened the curve, but flattening the curve just delays, uh, delays people from getting the hospital. And, you Mm -hmm. know, by extension, unfortunately, and I don't mean to sound, uh, you know, rude when I'm saying this, but it's like delaying death. Almost. You're not seeing the true impact of this. You're you're not, you're not seeing it. And That's a great point. What's, what is horrible about all this, I've been talking, I was talking to a nutritionist and I was also talking to a guy who is a, a biochemistry professor at right. Syracuse University. And this is the general consensus. One, when you lock people inside of their homes, you force them into having a sedentary lifestyle that greatly weakens their immune system. Absolutely. And, you know, they start watching TV, eating Cheetos every day, you know, a very inactive lifestyle. Um, two, uh, you know, when you when you have people who are you scare them so much into staying inside, which I'm, I'm assuming in, in cities like Buffalo and, and New York, that this is going to be a greater issue uh, right. where they can't get as much sunlight. Because mm-hmm. vitamin D is extremely important in fighting this virus. And if you can't get Absolutely. out for sunny days, then you're right. not going to build that vitamin D up. And I'm not a scientist. This is just, you know, things I've been hearing from people who are. Right. Uh, but we need to be also 
you know, we we have a we have a we've already had a pre-existing health issue in this country. And I'm not the healthiest guy. I'm not the healthiest guy. I'm not going to claim that. But it takes zero effort to teach people how to stay hydrated when 75% of New Yorkers are dehydrated at, at any given time. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we're we're malnutritioned, when people are eating properly. You know, it takes zero effort to educate people on how to strengthen their immune system because that Mm -hmm. is the best thing to do to fight this virus. Yes, we can flatten the curve. Yes, we can lock everybody inside their homes. And Mm -hmm. you might be able to say, you know, I'd rather be safe than sorry. This is sorry. Yes, it is. is Sorry. We are destroying our economy. The country is at 14.7 unemployment rate. I think it's like 32 million Americans don't have a job right now. And that's not like, oh, they're furloughed. Oh, they're, you know, they're they're just on unemployment right now. No, they do not have a job. They do not have a job. They got fired, gone. Mm -hmm. And we we need to be thinking about this critically. We Mm -hmm. need to take into account, we we need to understand that eventually people are going to riot. Yes. Eventually, people are going to riot if we keep this up. And I know New York is reopening, but what right. happens when there's a resurgence? Is Governor right. Cuomo going to slap another stay-at-home order on us? Is right. he going to force all of our businesses to close again? No, right. people are going to be done with that. Right. They're going to be over with that, and and that is what I'm fighting for. And I think from what I've seen on your page, that's what yeah. you're fighting for. We're fighting so yeah. people understand that they have the right to go to work, regardless of what the government government tells them. They have yeah. the right to petition. They have the right to say whatever they want. And it's important for people to understand that. Right. Sorry. I have an analogy. I don't know if I shared this with you, but I'm a horticulturist. You know, and I take care of uh, I take care of the environment. I take care of the land. Uh, The land's very important to me, just like a farmer. You you treat the land with respect because you live off it, you know, and that's how you survive. And you pass it on from generation to generation. But when I have a fungus problem in the lawn, the last thing I'm going to do is put another fungus on it to treat it because it makes it worse. What I do is I put down food. I put down nutrients. I put down amendments to help the soil inhibit and strengthen the existing grass so it can fight off and then repopulate itself because grass plants will recede themselves naturally. It's a natural occurrence. Kind of like with this COVID um, uh, influenza flu, whatever you want to call it, uh, the coronavirus, you know, we have to enhance our immune system. God gave us an immune system to protect us as a natural defense mechanism anyway. So the thing is vitamin C, vitamin D, and vitamin A are very critical in your diet to help your immune system help you survive the virus. If you have deficiencies. Now there are, I have a brother who has some very bad respiratory disease. He has to lock himself down. And that's rightfully so. But I would say a lot of people, because the mortality rate is, um, you know, 90, over 98% of the people are surviving, which is good news. Unfortunately, yeah. 2% are dying. Yes, there are some age bracket appropriations, but it's mostly the immune weak, the respiratory weak, and the elderly. Yes. So, uh, and I want to clarify, I, yes, I believe the... And this is this is a fact. I know this part to be true. The fr- the part that I know to be true is that the people, the average age of the person who is dying from COVID, mm-hmm. is older than the average age of an American death already. So, like, we, we are literally locking people up for a disease, right? That kills, uh, on average, kills 
people who are older than the average age of death already. Oh, the right. second part of this, I know, I, I think those age numbers, if I'm wrong, I think the average age of, of a death in the United States is 78. And the mm -hmm. average age of somebody dying from coronavirus is 87. Wow. I, think, I think that's what it is. I'm, wow. fairly, I'm fairly certain. I, I, you know, if you guys double check me on that, but I do know the first part to be true. And well, if those numbers are true, then I have some, I still have some time. Excellent. <laughs> that doesn't mean let anybody spit in your mouth now, uh, but, but what we need to, what we need to um, like look at is, is that when we have a disease that has a 99.5% survival rate, right. um, and when, when, when we originally had the plan to, to flatten the curve, you know, and, you know, try to keep people, keep, keep hospitals. Let's, let's talk about that ship that they put in New York city, that ship they put in New York city, barely anybody used that ship. Barely anybody okay. used that boat. Yeah, that's there was, true. There was a point in right. time where I they think had 12 people. Right. There was something, it was extremely low. It has like a thousand beds on it. There was, right. it was a point in time where they only had two people on that boat. Right. Only two people on that boat. And, well, that, that that's just a just a statement of you know out of a thousand beds, only right. two people needed it. Right. You know. Right. Well, uh, one thing I like to point out is you were talking about um, the governor, and sometimes he can act like a king. But the thing is, during these pandemic times, you know, with the fighting going on in Washington as well as in the state, and all the inaccuracies of government, this is not the time to be political at all. This is because it's costing lives. Decisions like, you know, allowing nursing home patients to go back when they test positive for COVID, you know, because they needed bed space in hospitals, you know, was a tragic mistake. You know, you know, you can't deny that. But the thing is, during these hard times or these unprecedented times, we have to work in unity, constancy and peace. Because that's how you knock this out quickly. Everybody's got to pull together. And I say it a lot. And, and people that have talked with me or heard me speak before, I'm going to say it again. Before we had the right to have a political party of our choice, we were all Americans, the A-team. We have always been Americans, the A-team. And we will always continuously be Americans, the A-team. The other political party destination you choose is secondary. And yeah. we should never, ever forget that. But we're so much into division, uh, dividing each other and creating separation all the time. We forget about the basic common facts, mm -hmm. unity, constancy and peace. That's we all we need to conquer anything that we have in front of us. You said two words there that I, I want to point out for those who are listening. Unity and facts. Right. And we can't get facts without discussion and debate and comparing notes. Mm -hmm. And when I'm saying that, I'm referring to, yes, there are a lot of fantastic doctors out there who, yep. who know what they're talking about, who say the best thing to do is to stay inside. But there's also a lot of other fantastic doctors out there who are being uh, uh, their 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 information's being taken down, or they're right. being uh, 
uh, like they're, they're being masked, they're, they're, mm -hmm. they're being talked down, the shame, their license is being taken away because they have a difference of opinion because they had different results mm -hmm. than common status quo. There was a uh, doctor in Orange County who said hydroxychloroquine was the right drug to take and that it does right. work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we, we see this, you were seeing this where, you know, we are shaming people for having their own ideas. And I want people to understand that that's how we achieve unity. We right. achieve unity through discussion, through debate. And the answer to, um, to, to fixing an issue, the answer to making sure that, you know, like, let's talk, let's talk about the flat earth people, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're one of those people, but anyways, uh, if, if, if you think they're ridiculous, the best thing to do isn't to take their videos down. It's to have more information out there to tell people that they're wrong. That could be right. the same thing with this coronavirus. Present mm -hmm. your case more, present right. more information. The first amendment is important and it's, we can't, we can't, come up with better solutions if nobody is going to have a difference of opinion. And that's, and, and even in science, even in science, even in the medical industry, there is a difference of opinion with just about everything. That's where the saying comes from is get a second opinion. When you get something checked out, have you gotten a second opinion? Cause that's mm -hmm. not right. You know, like <laughs> maybe we should be doing that with some of these doctors who are telling our governor to do these things. Right. And I'm not saying he's an idiot. Oh, I, that's a different discussion, you know, but uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that these doctors are idiots. I'm not saying these doctors are wrong. Right. I'm saying, I don't know because I have not been allowed to see any other evidence, but I exactly. know that there's doctors out there who are trying to present this evidence. And it's important that we realize that this is a first amendment issue. And that our government is censoring the First Amendment like it has never done before. Yeah. Well, they're limiting the access of the available information needed to come up with. You know, I, I listen to Larry Sharp a lot, and I know you follow him also. Uh, but he's talking always about bold ideas, you know, being in the forefront of coming up to the table and being bold about what's going on and handling it. And looking at every avenue, getting all the information on the table so you can all come up with the best possible solution. That's the only way to do it. And when those doctors that have difference of opinion from the mass media, they are instilling fear, you know, at that time. So mm -hmm. when somebody comes up like the hydrochlorine thing that you were talking about, that's a sign of hope. And they want to squash that. And that's ridiculous. You know, yeah. now if it's true or not, it's not really relevant at this point. Let's find out. Let's let's evaluate that and let's see if it works. Hey, vitamin D in the sun, is that really true for the immune system? Damn right it is. Mm -hmm. I called my doctor. So we should be having people going outside, at least outdoor gatherings, maybe not interior gatherings, but but again, the infringement of the civil liberties, being a libertarian. Uh, whether you're just a libertarian now, or you've always been in your heart, is one of the uh, highest things that you have next to your vote. And the reason I want to say about vote is that if you're not happy with your party and what's going on in your state or in your assembly district or in your locality or in your township or village, your vote has never been more powerful than it is today because it takes a change. 
And change is very difficult for people because they're so used to following a normal pattern. And I understand that. But Jake, you and I had seen something different with the Libertarian Party and what it can provide and what it brings to the table. And those of you that are listening, whether you like Jake or me or not, the fact is the Libertarian Party for you brings you another option than the R&D line. So when you're voting in your districts for whatever it is, instead of just one on one side, one on the other side, divisional, it's either this way or that way, you're picking the worst of the two evils. You don't need to do that no more. I want to I want to tell people what what this is. And and you know, and, and and I know a lot of people and I've talked to I've talked to a bunch of people. I've talked to farmer, I've talked to to to, to, to doctors, to 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 cops and everybody everybody and i and they ask me they're like well you're running for assembly what party are you in and i say i'm the libertarian party and they say good for you good right. for you you know i wish you know i wish i could i consider myself a libertarian but i am a democrat i consider myself a libertarian but i'm a republican and i hear that a lot mm-hmm. for me i have two jobs the voters have one the voter's right. job is to vote and if they right. want to, if they want to help out, they can speak up. They can shout my name from the rooftops. That's fantastic. I right. have two. I have one job. Hopefully two. I really hope I have two. The first mm-hmm. job, my job right now, is to make sure that other people vote for me. Because right. the thing that people are, the reason why people are hesitant to vote for Libertarian Party, although they agree with us, seventy-four percent of Americans agree with the Libertarian Party. By the way, that was a poll done by CNN. Wow. Yep. Um, <laughs> they want a third party. But they're right. afraid to vote because they're afraid that the big bad party is going to take power. Right. Don't worry about that. It's my job to worry about. It's my job to get those votes. I just mm-hmm. need you to vote. And mm-hmm. if we can get – if I can do my job well enough to change everybody's minds, which by the way, I have a 1,000 people who are mm-hmm. on my Facebook page. 94% of you are local. Right. That's double what the Democrats have. So we are already beating the Democrats in my district. Now we got to go after the Republicans. So we're winning. We're winning. We're going to, we're, we're getting there, but we're winning mm-hmm. after the election. If you guys do your jobs right and vote will and I into the assembly, right? Then we have our second job that we really want to do. Right. Then we can focus on the second job, which is fixing this state and helping mm-hmm. our district fix itself. Absolutely. party is all about our, right. our, 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 our party's about making sure that we get into office and we give you the tools to help you fix yourself. We're not like the Democrats where they're going to say, don't worry, the government's going to take care of you. Treat the government like your mommy and daddy and let them take care of you. We're not like that. We want to give you the tools so you don't need to pay these exorbitant taxes so you can take care of yourself. We are more fiscally fiscally conservative than the Republicans. And some of us are moderate when it comes to social issues. And some of us are very left when it comes to social issues. I consider Mm -hmm. myself a moderate when it comes to the social issues. But we are about freedom first. That's the message of my campaign. We want Mm -hmm. you to be free to make your own decisions. We want you to be able to be free to operate any business you want as long as you are not harming the general welfare of the public, as long as you are not threatening someone's life, as long as you're not doing anything that's negative to society. Exactly. As long as you're doing that, you are a libertarian. (laughs) Well, you know, a lot of people might not know, and maybe I'll share this with the viewers tonight, is that, or if you're listening at some other time after this has been recorded, 
Uh, the Libertarian Party, although started in 1971, is the third largest party in our country. So if you're looking for a large party, we are big. All right. It's not a question that we're not a, a, a sizable organized organization. It's the fact that we have our first access into New York State to be on the ballot to give you options and to work for freedom and fixing this this state as part of our country. But the voter registration of libertarians in my district in one year since I ran last time for town council in Riverhead has has uh quadrupled over fourfold almost fivefold in one year mm -hmm. because i ran and a couple of other people friends of mine that ran in different townships in my area they see that we got on the roads we started talking knocking on doors just like you know grassroots as it gets how can i help you what can we do for you what do you feel about this situation What's your opinion about your school district? What do you see or need to be improved? That's what we ask, because we want to work for you. I want to get in the second assembly district, Jake, and, and the viewers, and I want to run it like I I've been running my business for 39 years. Yes. I work for you, and I satisfy you. Otherwise, you don't pay me. That's how my business runs, and I want to make government accountable to you, the voter, the person who pays the entire tab on everything, myself included, I'm a taxpayer. I want that type of mentality in government today. You see, mm -hmm. society is evolving, right? Our communities are evolving, but we now need the government to start evolving for us to help us. Mm -hmm. And that's where the Libertarian Party will make it happen because we will create the freedom through liberty and liberation will come only from the libertarian party. And I'm pretty I, excited about it. I agree 100%. And this year, this year, the libertarian party has a really big chance to change this country. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everybody's like, well, we don't have any, you guys don't have anybody. Yes, we do. We got a libertarian congressman now. His name is Justin Amash. And yes, he did consider a run for president, but she is uh, more importantly, running for Congress again, uh, as far as I know. Um, so it is important that- If you know, I could add one thing, because I know uh, time-wise we're getting to the, uh, the limit. Go ahead. But you know, if people want to be a part of history like our forefathers have, let me run this by you. Change is very difficult for anybody to do because it's not comfortable, right? If mm. our forefathers didn't leave uh, tyranny and suppression and risk their lives and their families, family lives for the freedoms that started this country, we wouldn't even be having this discussion today. So now that government has gotten too powerful and it's not operating accountably and it's in deficits that are astronomical numbers, let's be pioneers again like our forefathers. Make your vote count. Vote in libertarian people in the assembly, in the Senate, Next year, in your local elections for council seats, for supervisor seats, maybe your mayor, depending on where you live, maybe um, a, a legislature or something like that. And I'm telling you, watch what we do, because wow. you're going to be impressed and it's going to change. But if you want the same old show, just keep shooting yourself in the foot, my friend. We only need a little over the, a third of the vote. We only yep. need a little over the th a third of the vote. And also what's important to realize 
is that we will throw a wrench into the establishment. Oh, we damn. will throw the biggest wrench into the establishment. Let me give you guys a history lesson real quick. There is a president, a very, very famous president, regarded to be one of the best presidents we have ever had. His face is carved into Mount Rushmore. His name is Theodore Roosevelt. He was a member of a third party. Mm-hmm. And he was the youngest assemblyman to ever hold office in New York State. He wow, was one of the youngest. It. Yeah, he was one of the youngest governors. Right. And he was the youngest president to ever hold wow. office. He was a very accomplished gentleman. And if Theodore Roosevelt can do it, the American people can do it. So let's go, everybody. Excellent. Excellent. Wow, that's good news. All righty. Again, everybody, thank you for tuning into the broadcast. We're about 40 minutes and 22 seconds now, Will. So I think That's it's enough. Say goodbye to everybody. Everybody, go ahead and check out William Felhemann's uh, Facebook page. He's got a lot of good stuff. He's a hardcore libertarian running for office. He'd be great in the assembly. I look forward to working with him. Is there anything else you want to put the rest here, Bill? Will? Is there anything else that you got to say? Yeah, I just want to thank the viewers that tuned in. I appreciate the fact that you took time out of your day to spend it with Jake and I, we're educating each other. And together, we're going to make things happen. And we're going to make America greater than it's ever been. That's right. Bring freedom back to New York, everybody. Stay free, everybody. Take care now.